Romans chapter 10, please. Romans chapter 10, we're going to look at tonight. And remember, Romans chapters 9, 10, and 11, Paul turns his attention back to the Jewish people, where Romans 1 through 8 was for everybody. And he's showing that all of us have fallen short of his perfect standards and that we're in need of a Savior. So let's jump in to Romans 10. Verse 1, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. Notice here he's calling them his brothers. There's a family tie here. Paul was a Jew, and he's reaching out to his family here. And he's concerned with their eternal destination. Isn't it amazing that heaven and hell hang upon hearing the word of God? Heaven and hell hang upon hearing God's word. The decisions we make, the decisions the world makes on God's word and who Jesus is, is where they're going to spend eternity. And here we see Paul has a heart's desire and prayer that Israel may be saved. And I just want to zero in on uh, that few words here where it says, my heart's desire and prayer. My heart's desire and prayer. Tonight, what's your heart's desire and prayer? Where does it rest? The title of tonight's message is Turn a DP. If you're a baseball fan, you know what that means. Turn a double play. Turn a DP. Bases are loaded, there's one out, a ground ball comes, and they throws short to second, second to first, double play, we're out of the inning. They don't get any runs. That's a good thing for those of you who don't know what I'm, the heck I'm talking about. But turn a DP. And I use that as a title of tonight's message because I want us to understand that we need to have a DP. And it has nothing to do with sports. It has to do with desire and prayer. What's our desire and our prayer? You know, what is the desire of your heart? Is it truly to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength? Is it really to be a person who makes an impact on this earth that will make an impact in another person's life for eternity? That's so crucial and so important. You're here tonight, I'm here tonight because God's Holy Spirit. He brought us here. But I really would like you to examine yourselves and ask, what is my heart's desire? What is my prayer? Do I have a desire and a prayer? And if you don't, make it a prayer that God gives you that desire. Verse 2, for I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. They have a passion for God. The Jewish nation had a passion for God, but it wasn't according to knowledge. How many people do we know that have a religious background 
that might have a passion or a heart for God, but they have no knowledge. They, they don't understand. They don't, they've never opened the Bible. They don't avail themselves to God's word every day. And it doesn't have to be just a once in a while churchgoer. It could be you. It could be me. That we allow God's word to not penetrate our hearts or our minds each and every day. I know a couple years ago, I started going to bed with my uh, earphones in my ears, listening to scripture or listening to a teaching, and I would fall asleep. And I wake up and maybe the earplug was out. I put it back in. I just continue feeding my spirit throughout the night. And I really think that has made a difference in my life. What are you listening to? Are you pumping in? Are you reading God's word? Are you listening to God's word? Here you are tonight, but you know what? I'm concerned with what you're doing Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, those other five days that you're not here in this building. We need to be constantly built up in God's word. Verse three, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness, and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. Now, Paul, of course, is speaking here about Judaism and all their rules and regulations and how the Jews, as we looked in earlier chapters, try to keep the law, you know, and the law became really more important than God. The law and the traditions of, you know, men were more important than the God who gave them the law but also, as we saw earlier in Romans, the law simply was a tutor that led them to Jesus Christ, and they missed it. They hung on to the law and their traditions rather than hold on to Jesus Christ. Now, what significance is that to you and me today? I think it has a tremendous amount of significance. Think about all the churches in the world today. How many of them are wrapped up in rules, regulations, and the traditions of men. And they can be classified as Christian churches. Think about it. It can be any denominational church. It can be any church that's been around for hundreds of years that they're more concerned with the laws and traditions than they are with God's word. They don't get into God's word. They don't read God's word. And as we know, God said, heaven and earth is going to pass away, but his word's going to be there forever. So that ignorance is something that you and I can never say that we were ignorant. Because we have God's complete counsel right there between Genesis and Revelation. The Jewish people can never say, oh, we didn't know. They were sent the prophets. They were given the law, but yet they would rather hold on to traditions of men and legalism. Be careful, everybody. It's easy to fall into that legalistic state. It really is, because our flesh craves it. But it's not by might or power or by the legalism. It's by God's spirit that we want to be led, amen? We want to be able to follow his spirit and be in tune with his spirit. Every time we hear God's word, every time we pray, every time we are um, 
talking to God or just open up the Bible ourselves. We're, we're growing closer and closer to the Lord. And we should be more sensitive to the leading of his Holy Spirit as a result of that. Is that what's happening in your life? Do you see the results of that? Hopefully, the answer to that is yes. Verse 4. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Our righteousness is what Jesus Christ has done at the cross. His righteousness is what we've taken on. He's paid for your sin and my sin. We should never get tired of hearing that. Jesus Christ has paid the price for your sin and my sin. And three days later, he rose from the dead so that we could have that resurrection life. Salvation means two things. The first thing it means is our escaping from the punishment of sins committed. And the second thing is that the habit of sin will be broken in our lives. So we're not going to be punished for our sins because Christ took on our punishment. But there's a second part that the habitual sins that we were committing, God changes us. We're new creatures in Christ. The old has passed away. The new is here. Do you see that in your life? Is that something that you're continually moving away from, that old life? For that is the very thing that Jesus came for, not only to pay the price for your sins, but give you a new hope, a new life. And that's a glorious thing. That's a tremendous thing. Christ didn't do away from the, with the law. He fulfilled it. He didn't do away with the law. He fulfilled it. Remember the tutor. I think that's just a great picture that the Bible paints. The tutor is there when the main teacher isn't. Once the tutor leaves, the main teacher is there. The tutor goes. You don't need the tutor anymore. Well, the law is the tutor. We have Jesus Christ. In Jesus, the law is fulfilled. We're led by the Spirit. We're fulfilling the law. Verse 5. For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The man who does those things shall live by them. Now, it's pretty cool. You keep the law, you live. That's awesome. It sounds good. The man who does those things shall live by them. But understand, there's another part of that. Okay? If you break the law, you die. You can't have one half of it and not the other half. Okay? If you keep the law, you live. But guess what? I'm looking at lawbreakers. You're looking at a lawbreaker. We've all broken the law. And that, as a result of that, is death. Thanks be to God, though. Jesus Christ has come to fulfill the law and now, by trusting in him, we get our life back for eternity. The wages of sin is death. We're aging daily. These bodies will decay and are decaying. But we are promised new life in Christ and we will have a new body when we leave this earth. Verse 6, But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart, 
who will ascend into heaven, that is, to bring Christ down from above, or who will descend into the abyss, that is, to bring Christ up for the, from the dead. We don't have to worry by saying, you know what, we've got to go up and get God, or we've got to go into the depths of the earth to bring God up. Jesus, because of his love for us, came down to this earth. And Jesus, because of his resurrection power and being a sinless man while he was on this earth, resurrected from the dead. So he came from the depths of the earth. We have that evidence in Jesus Christ. So we don't have to make journeys anywhere. We don't have to do anything except put our complete trust in Jesus Christ. Question, is your complete trust in him? Or is it a partial trust? Are you allowing Jesus Christ to take over? Or are you still in control? Do you still have things that you're allowing yourself to control? And I just want to encourage you tonight, don't do that. Don't do that to yourselves. Jesus wants to take everything from you and give himself totally to you. What are you holding on to that maybe is keeping yourself too weighed down on this earth. It could be a sin. It could be other things. Could be something else. Could be a person, a place, a thing. God wants to show you that. What's your desire? What's your prayer? Well, Lord, my desire is if there's anything in Vinny's life that's holding him back from serving you more uh, faithfully, more uh, dedicated, show me. That's my prayer, Lord. I want you to reveal that to me. That's not a hard prayer. But it's a prayer that takes courage because God wants to answer that prayer. God wants to show you individually what that thing is or things to get you back where you can really have that sweet fellowship with him. Verse 8. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Turn with me and hold your place here, but turn with me to Deuteronomy 30, please. And we're going to look at, um, for a few minutes, Deuteronomy 30, where uh, this verse was taken from. And we're in Deuteronomy 30. And we're going to start with verse 1. Now it shall come to pass when all these things come upon you, the blessings and the curse which I have set before you, and you call them to mind among all the nations where the Lord your God drives you. And you return to the Lord your God and obey his voice according to all that I command you today you and your children, with all your heart and with all your soul. 
that the Lord your God will bring you back from captivity and have compassion on you and gather you again from all the nations where the Lord your God has scattered you. If any of you are driven out to the farthest parts under heaven from where the Lord your God will gather you and from there he will bring you, then the Lord your God will bring you to the land which your fathers possessed and you shall possess it. He will prosper you and multiply you more than your fathers. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. Also, the Lord your God will put all these curses on your enemies and on those who hate you, who persecuted you. And you will again obey the voice of the Lord and do all his commandments, which I command you today. The Lord your God will make you abound in all the work of your hand, in the fruit of your body, in the increase of your livestock, and in the produce of your land for good. For the Lord will again rejoice over you for good as he rejoiced over your fathers. If you obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes, which are written in the book of the law, and if you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, for this commandment which I command you today is not too mysterious for you, nor is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend into heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear and do it? But the word is very near you, in your mouth and in your heart, that you may do it. See, I've set before you today life and good, death and evil, and that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commandments, his statutes, his judgments, that you may live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. But if your heart turns away so that you do not hear, and are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I announce to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to go in and possess. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, and that you may cling to him, for he is your life and the length of your days, and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them. Now notice in verse 20 that you may love, that you may obey, and that you may cling to him. And now let's go back to Romans 10. It says in verse 8 that the word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And I believe many of us here have done that. And I hope many of the people that listen to the CD have done that. But my question number one is, if you haven't done that, what are you waiting for? And number two, if you have done it, are you clinging to the Lord? Are you obeying him? Are you getting as close as you can to him every single moment of every single day and not just on a Wednesday or a Sunday? Is it a continual thing that you're doing in your spiritual walk with the Lord? 
And we can see here that, of course, when you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Notice that the confession is with the mouth. And look at verses 9 and 10. It was, it was cool when I was looking at this. In 9, there's confession with the mouth and there's a believing in the heart. And then in verse 10, they switch it around. The heart's believing and the mouth's confessing. But it's being said double to you. It's very important that we understand that. That our heart is going to, what's in our heart? It's going to come out in our mouth and the way we speak to each other, when we speak to people at work or in our family, the saved and the unsaved. And how many times do we catch ourselves, right, that maybe we've said something that wasn't proper or something that we definitely know the Lord wouldn't say. And it's really just a heart check. For me, that is, I know I got to get my face back in God's word. I got to get back into sweet, sweet, intimate fellowship with him. Because it will always come out in the way we're thinking, in the way we're talking, in the way we're acting. Verse 10, For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now remember, the righteousness, of course, it's Jesus Christ. He is our righteousness. There's nothing that we have to attain to. The law said we have to do this. Jesus said, it's finished. Okay, that's huge. Are you living your life? And we looked at this earlier in Romans, remember? Are you living your life according to the law or according to the spirit? There's a big thing in schools the last couple years with bullying, you know, and there's seminars on it and we have kids making posters on it. And I just saw in the Drudge Report today that because since the campaign on bullying, has been out there, there's been more bullying. Think about it. Since the campaign throughout the nation has been to prevent bullying, there's been more bullying. I remember when I was younger, this, they had uh, kids on a campus, on a college campus, up in a high rise, and they put um, a sign on one of the corners, do not step on the grass. And on the other side, there was no sign. And they would chart the people that were cutting across the grass to go to class and everything. Well, guess what side they crossed on the most? The sign that had the, the side that had the sign on it, do not go on the grass. We are rebellious people. We're, we're rebels. But now, hopefully, we're serving the greatest rebel who came out of heaven to come onto this earth, the greatest revolutionary. And the world is still after him because he is the way, the truth, and the life. Verse 11, for the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. In Isaiah 28, 16, it says, therefore, thus says the Lord God, behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not be put to shame. And we looked at this uh, last time I taught with the highway to heaven, that that stone, Jesus Christ, the rock, he's the stumbling block that people are tripping on. 
And in Romans 9, when we were in Romans a couple months ago, Romans 9, 33 says, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense, and whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. And then we, say, we see here in verse 11, for the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. You're never going to be put to shame because of what Jesus Christ has done for you, is doing for you, and will continue to do for you. You'll never be put to shame. The shame is going to be on the people who knew about him but did not trust him. Shame on them. It's going to be on the Jewish nation, the people of the Jewish nation who had the law, who had the Torah, who had the prophets, and they still did not put their trust in their Messiah. Shame on them. There is a world of ignorant people who have yet to hear about Jesus Christ. And we'll see, we'll talk about them in a second. Verse 12, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. Notice who he is rich to. All who call upon him. All. Not just the Jew, not just the Greek. All. Everyone. You're the individual that collectively makes up the word all. He's speaking to you. He's speaking to me. We know there are groups. The Jewish people will look at Christians a certain way. The Christians will look at Jews a certain way. Unbelievers will look at Christians as judgmental. Christians will snub their noses at unbelievers. But that's not Jesus' heart. That's the heart of man, which is evil and wicked. And God points that out in his word, which is the truth. You and I are to be more like Jesus. So there's no distinction. Everybody is equal at the foot of the cross. And are we, do we have that desire and that prayer for those people? Do we pray for one another? Do we pray for the lost? Are we praying without ceasing? Is that something that God tells us to do? Do we do it? Do we understand why he's asking us to do that? Because the time is short. This is a temporary place that we're sitting in right here tonight. When we walk, it's a temporary walk. We're traveling to a greater destination. It will happen for some sooner than it does for others. Are we praying for that walk? Or are we too confused by everything that's going on in the world today? Because that's the world system. It wants to confuse you. It wants to take your eyes off of Jesus Christ. We have to be focused. We have to have blinders on. To love the world that he died for. But where are we? What is our heart's desire? And what is our heart's prayer? Verse 13. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How sweet is that? Whoever calls on the name of the Lord. You can be rich. You can be poor. You can be black. You can be white. You can be brown. You can be yellow. Whoever 
Whoever. Doesn't matter. There's no restriction in God's kingdom. How cool is that? There are religions that are killing people because you don't see it their way. Hello? That's not a religion I want to be a part of. But yet we have a relationship with a God who said, listen, you don't have to die. You don't have to do other things. I'll do it for you for eternal, for eternal life. That's one heck of a deal. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How sweet it is when you see somebody rededicate their life or receive Jesus for the first time because they're heeding his call. If you're here tonight and you're struggling, you're always you know, making wrong choices, please understand God loves you as much as anybody else who's following him. He loves you. He cares for you. He died individually just for you. And he has his spirit that he wants to continually keep an overflowing in your life to help you through. He knows your struggles. He knows what you're going through. He knows all the situations, whether it's physical, mental, or spiritual. He cares for you that much. He's not going to give up on you. Don't give up on him. Verse 14. How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Well, you can't believe anything that you've never heard about. I mean, well, maybe you can. I mean, gravity is working whether you believe in it or not. Whether you understand gravity or not, it's still happening to you and me right now. Okay, so, but as far as a relationship with Jesus Christ, the gospel, the good news that you don't have to die in your sins, that he's died for you in your place, he's risen from the dead, he wants to give you and me new life, he wants to keep us moving towards heaven where we're going to see him one day, that's a reality. People are going to stand before God and he's going to say, come on in, I've been waiting for you, I've got the place all set up for you, come on in. And then the other person is going to face him and he's going to say, hey, I don't know you. You've got to leave. You've got to go with Lucifer and the other angels that decided to follow his way. That's reality. That's really going to happen. May God make that so real in your life that every day you walk, you understand you're walking to see Jesus face to face and to just embrace him and see him smile. Well, you and I are the people that are called to go tell those people who don't believe in this verse 14. How shall they believe in him of whom they've not heard? Remember, you represent Jesus Christ. Some people will never open up their Bible, but they will listen to you. They will listen to me. Do you take advantage of opportunities that God has given you, whether it's through this church or through your community, to go out and mingle with the people. I know James Berg is having something in a, in a few weeks, a couple weeks. We want to go down into Janesburg and hang out by the tracks and meet the people from 12 to 5. I'm going to be there for five hours. Come on out. You don't have, you can, we'll just talk and then we'll have fun with the people. We'll have a blast. We're going to give them water. We're going to give them tracks. 
You don't have to do anything, but come on out. Just by being there, you'll be blessed. And we'll have a good time. Take advantage of opportunities that this church gives you to reach out to people who need to hear. And once you see what God does, when stuff like that takes place, you'll be psyched. You'll be looking for opportunities. Verse 15, and how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. You know, back 150 years after Jonah, and I see Jack has a Jonah shirt on today. 150 years after Jonah went to Nineveh, the capital of Assyria, one of the things that took place that this um, verse is very applicable to is that God's judgment that was stopped from Nineveh because Jonah went there and preached. And remember, they repented. From the king down, they repented. There was a revival in Nineveh and throughout Assyria. But then 150 years later, they fell back into their barbaric and uh, idolatrous idolatrous ways. And one of the things that took place was there was a person who came to Israel and said to the Jewish people, Assyria is going to be defeated. I have good news. Assyria is going to be wiped out. This was great news for the people of Israel because of how this has been, was an enemy nation for so long. Well, very similar to the good news, there was an Assyria holding you and me back. We were slaves to Lucifer and to his demons. And then the gospel was delivered to us by the power of the Holy Spirit, maybe through a pastor, maybe through a friend at work, maybe through a TV show or a radio show. And your enslavement to that bondage of that sin was broken as a result of the good news. Blessed are you and me when we bring good news to people that there is another way, that with all the nonsense and the craziness going on in this world, we have good news to bring to other people. We have a hope in a hopeless world. This world is hopeless. I don't know if you know that. They're not getting any answers in a place that's closed down right now. They shut down the government. Praise God, we're here tonight. They didn't shut us down. They haven't shut Jesus Christ down and they can't. They tried burying him to shut him down. And three days later, here I am again. Verse 16. This is a sad part. This is a terrible part. Verse 16, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? That's devastating when you understand. There are Jewish people. There are people who thought they were believers in Jesus. There are agnostics, there are atheists, 
that are right now burning in the fires of hell. They did not, they did not all obey the gospel. Obedience to the gospel is receiving Jesus Christ as the Messiah that God the Father has sent for the sins of the world, and there's no entry into heaven except through Jesus Christ. Any other religion, any other philosophy, any other person that says anything else than this is a liar and is calling Jesus Christ a liar. There is no other way except Jesus Christ. That's it. There's no other way. No other philosophy, no other belief that is true. And all eternity will be settled on people if they obey the gospel or not. And for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? And we go on in verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We are so blessed in our country that we have so many things that we can do to read God's word, hear God's word, study God's word, the commentaries on great biblical men of God who just give us more insight. It's so awesome. Do we avail ourselves of that? Understand tonight, somewhere in the world, if they have one page of the scriptures, that's awesome. That's tremendous for them to just have one page. We have millions of Bibles right in our country and probably several right in our home. Faith comes by hearing and hearing God's word. Your faith is being increased every time you read God's word. You come to church, you listen to a preacher, a teacher, a pastor. You're getting stronger. But remember, it's all based on who he is, not what we're doing. It's what, who he is, the God who wants to transform you and me from the inside out. In verse 18, but I say, have they not heard? Yes, indeed, their sound has gone out to all the earth and their words to the end of the world. God's word is out there. People just aren't listening. There are missionaries. They've been around, you know, doing missionary work for hundreds, thousands of years. Middle East, people are having dreams and visions where they're coming to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. I was fortunate to meet one girl in the Middle East over in Israel when I was there several years ago. She was a Muslim. And Jesus spoke to her and, and used his own words on the way, the truth, and the life. In a dream, she woke up in the morning, threw out all her Muslim garb, and she's dedicated her life with her husband to serve Jesus Christ over in the Middle East. So God is working. He's doing things. Verse 19, but I say, did Israel not know? First, Moses says, I will provoke you to jealousy by those who are not a nation. I will move you to anger by a foolish nation. Now understand, back in that day, that God used the surrounding nations who fell in love with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, while the Israeli nation was worshiping idols or not even paying attention to God. 
He's going to do that in the end days here. But one of the cool things is, just like this, there are people that have heard. There are Jewish people who have heard and responded by receiving Jesus as their Messiah. There are pagan people. There are religious people who have received. A lot of you are them. You've received. But understand the thing that I was saying that was so sad is, but they've not all obeyed. They've not all responded to what they've heard. Dear people, I encourage you to pray for people in your sphere of influence that God soften their, their heart so that they will go into a Christ-full eternity rather than a Christless eternity. Be the difference in their lives. Be the difference. Look for opportunities to pray for them. Maybe they'll ask you a question. Jump on that as an opportunity to lead them to Jesus Christ or at least to give them information. And don't feel bad if they reject you or walk away from you because you've given them what you need to do, just like the prophets of old. They preached the word. It was out there. It's up to God for it to take hold and grow. You just need to be faithful. Verse 20, but Isaiah is very bold and says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I was made manifest to those who did not ask for me. And this is the nations that were not, was not Israel. God loves the whole world that he gave his son, not just Israel. For God so loved the whole world that he gave his only son, that whoever, there's that word, whosoever, doesn't matter who they are, Jew, Gentile, doesn't matter where you're from, whosoever believes will not perish but have eternal life. Were you seeking the Lord when he revealed himself to you? Maybe you were. Maybe you weren't, and he just loved you so much he got your attention through someone or something. So awesome how God works. Verse 21, but to Israel he says, all day long I have stretched out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. He's doing that today. Right now in Israel, he's doing it today. He's still trying to get their attention. There's over 7 million Jews in the Holy Land right now. A lot of them are coming to the Lord. A lot of them are moving back to Israel. God's drawing them back. But nationally, they're a nation that doesn't recognize Jesus as the Messiah. They're still lost. And we know from prophecy that that's going to change. And there's going to be 144,000 Messianic believers who are going to be some of the greatest evangelists the world ever saw ministering to the, their people. You and I, while we're still on planet Earth, before God takes us out of here, whether through the rapture or through death, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Pay, pray 
for the Jewish people that you know that have not yet received him as Lord and Savior. And watch what the Lord does. He's in the life-changing business. We know that. We're witnesses to that. But he's not done. It doesn't end with you and me. Who's he going to bring into your life tomorrow? And don't be surprised if it's a potential messianic brother or sister. Pray for the Jewish people. All day long, I have stretched out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. Well, that doesn't only apply to the Jews. It applies to me, disobedient, and a contrary people. I was contrary to God's will. I walked away. And then he found me. He found you. His arms are stretched out to you now to keep running the race. For those of you who don't know him, his arms are stretched out on a cross saying, I died for you. I paid the price for your sins. I paid a debt that I did not owe. He paid it for you because you could not pay that debt. But he loved you so much that he took your place on the cross. And we'll know that thought throughout eternity. As your physical and my physical is deteriorating, our spiritual should be growing stronger and stronger and stronger every single day. I know that's God's desire. I know Jesus is praying for you like he did for his apostles when they went across the boat and he was up on the mountain and the waves came and everything. He knows the storms in your life. He's praying for you. He knows the good things that are happening in your life. He's still praying for you. His arms are saying, come on, keep running that race. Even when you trip, get up. Come on, I'm with you. Let's pray right now for anybody here that just needs to be picked up by the Lord. You receive the Lord into your heart, but you just need to get picked up again. And you just want to say in your heart, Lord, just pick me up. I'm struggling. You know it, Lord, but I want to just confess that I'm struggling to you. I want to know that my desire and my prayer is that you just pick me up and get me going in the right direction again. Let's pray for those people right now. If you bow with me. Dear Jesus, I just uh, lift up anybody here that's struggling. I'm not going to ask them to stand or raise their hand, but just get real with you right now, Lord. And just ask that you just uh, forgive them where they are, because we know you will. And that you just pick them up. And just let them really know, Lord Jesus, that you're with them. Let them just feel your presence and be aware of your presence in their life. And just help them through the rest of this night or her, and through tomorrow, if tomorrow comes, just be with them. And Lord, I just want to pray for everybody else here that knows you, that you would just continue to help us all keep running the race strong, keeping our eyes on you, the author and perfecter of our faith. And then if there's anyone here or listening on the CD that doesn't know you, that they would just call on you 
and understand if they call on you, they will be saved. Just put your trust in Jesus and you will be saved. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Lord, I pray that more and more people will come into the kingdom, that more and more people will walk in a stronger walk and a greater determination with you. I pray, Lord Jesus, that as you stretched out your arms to encompass the world, that we would stretch out our arms to encompass the world that you have given us, our sphere of influence. And Lord, I pray that we turn a DP, that we have a desire and a prayer to serve you harder, stronger, more aware of the things that you want us to do, and that we all just get involved in what you're doing, Lord. And we just ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.